it's a real privilege to be able to start this Advent season with this message about the prophetic word. Um, there's something about a, a prophecy that is meant to build hope. And because we start off Advent talking about hope, I wanted to speak about this, specifically about the word of God that came to Mary through the angel Gabriel. And that's where I am going to go uh, in Scripture today. But uh, let me... Let me ask you this to start with. Do you remember what it was like to receive an actual letter? Like a written letter in the mail. I mean, right now, when I look in my mailbox, I get ads. Uh, I, I get a few bills, although most of my bills come by email. But uh, rarely do I ever receive a written note uh, in the mail anymore. It is becoming somewhat of a lost art. Now, when I was in Bible school... My grandmother was faithful, faithful to send a note to me. Now, she, she was the one that was kind of the keeper of all things family. And uh, if I wanted to know what was going on in my family in Ontario, my, I had to wait for a word from my grandmother. And so she would write me this letter. And sometimes you could tell she did it quickly. It was kind of a scrawl. I had to decipher the words to find out what she was saying. And then I caught up on all of the family news. Now, it didn't hurt that she actually included a bit of money in those letters. <laughs> and as a, as a student, I appreciated that. I needed some extra spending money, and she was faithful to do that. But you know, uh, more, than, more than just that, the words that she wrote meant something. Now, I, I know as we approach Christmas, many of you will write some Christmas cards. A lot of times now we give those personally, not so much uh, sending them in the mail, but the words are meaningful, and the words are important. So as you're making your notes or your cards today, I want you to pay uh, attention in this season what you are doing and what you are saying to others to encourage them, to help them to understand who Jesus is as we celebrate this Christmas season. You know, the Christmas story includes a lot of very important words, words which we need to pay attention to. And so in speaking at the beginning of this season, I want to talk about the prophetic word. The word that specifically comes from God and how that impacts our lives. And so I'm going to start from Luke chapter 1, where the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary. Now, uh, just so that you understand where I'm coming from about this, there are a lot of times when people look at the Christmas story and the angel coming to see Mary, telling her that uh, she is going to be pregnant. Jesus is going to be born. He's going to be the Son of God. And they don't think about it as a prophetic word. Because they think it's just part of the story. It's just, you know, the angel came, told her this, then it happened, and off they went. You know, it all kind of uh, happened seemingly very quickly. But ultimately, the angel spoke a blessing over her life. He spoke words of God that not only came to pass the things that there were the actions, but he spoke a blessing to her, which I want you to pay attention to today as we start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now that Elizabeth, of course, was a relative of Mary's, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, 
Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You know, as, as we look at this, it's a, it's a powerful word. It's a, it's a life-changing word that came from the angel to Mary. And I'm not sure that if any of us received this kind of word, how we would react or what our response would be. Because it is so life-altering. I mean, she was just a young girl. And God was invading her space to be able to bring her to a time when um, everything would change. And you think how easy it would be to be dismissive about that. To say, oh, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want God messing with the way my life is tending to go. But I want you to pay attention to Mary's response. And that's starting at verse 34... How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, if I had to summarize all that the angel said to Mary in one simple word, it would be favor. The blessing that the angel brought to Mary's life, the prophetic word that he was delivering, was about God's favor. That God's favor was coming to her and that she was going to be able to live in it, to walk in that favor of God. Now, while Mary was living out the will of God, she probably didn't always think that she was living in God's favor. That it might not have looked like it at the time because after all, She did get pregnant and wasn't married. And in that culture, that would have been so very, very looked down on, very wrong to them. She had an engagement to Joseph, but he just about called it off. Because of the pregnancy, because of all that was going on with her. There would have been that stigma because Joseph did change his mind and he did take Mary into his home to be his wife. And so they basically had to get married. It's like a shotgun wedding. Right? It was, it was like Joseph was going to be forced to be married. Now, they, he could have broken off the engagement, but he didn't. You can imagine all of the conflict in their families in the midst of all of the conversations that would have went on about all of that. And yet Mary was living in God's favor. 
That's what the angel had spoken. That was the prophetic word to her. Then they had to travel to Bethlehem while she was pregnant, about to give birth. The, the, the difficulty of that journey. And then having to give birth while she was away from her family. Amongst people that would have been strangers to her. And then, of course, after Jesus was born, the whole flight to Egypt and all that had to happen because King Herod wanted all of those children dead so that there would be no opposing king. All about prophecy. And of course, those were the most difficult parts that I've described about Mary's life and living in the favor of God. But she was living in the favor and the blessing of God. The good parts are also very important to note. First of all, Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit came upon her. Now, for her, that experience, that God experience of His presence coming into her very body would have been something unbelievable. Hard to describe. Something she would never forget. Because she lived in the favor of God. Now Joseph did take Mary as his wife, like I had already said. And he did take on the responsibility, not only of caring for her and caring for Jesus, but caring for Jesus as God's son. And that having that kind of acceptance in Mary's life, that kind of understanding would have been huge for her. Because she lived in the favor of God. And that angel came and spoke in a dream to Joseph so that all of those things came about. And of course, on their journey to Bethlehem, God was watching over this entire event, everything that was happening to this family. The journey, the angels, the shepherds, the magi that came, all of these things that came about were something to be remembered and treasured. In fact, those wise men, those kings that came bearing gifts, they, they would have been so costly and so important that, that the money that that was worth would have been used in order to enable them to flee to Egypt, to preserve Jesus' life in the midst of that journey. And all along the way, as you read in the account of Matthew, uh, God continued to speak to Joseph, Mary's husband, to be able to to guide and direct their family so that they would be protected. Because they lived in God's favor. Now through the midst of all of those things, favor may not have looked like it was favorable. It might not have been what they wanted to journey to Bethlehem. It may not have been what they wanted to flee to Egypt. But God was with them. And as they looked back, and as we look at the whole story in its entirety, we can say that the word favor was very true and very applicable to what Mary and Joseph went through. And I want you to also note that Mary's response was humility. From the very beginning, her response was to be humble before God. You know, even when the shepherds and the wise men, when all of those things happened, it, it says in uh, Luke chapter 2, 
that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And what in a very important and, and relevant uh, comment about her character. That she would treasure the things that she had experienced, knowing that she was living in the favor of God. She wondered, I'm sure, about the path that God was leading her in, but she accepted the word that was spoken to her, that was spoken over her, the actions that were going to come about, and she was willing to follow the Lord's direction. And basically her whole attitude was, I'm going to let God be God, I'm going to let Him direct my life, I'm going to trust Him. Now, this part of the Christmas story is really important that we understand what happened in the life of Jesus. But it's also very important that we are able to apply it to our own life. Say, can we learn something from Mary's experience that would help us in our own spiritual life? And I believe that we can. In fact, I do believe in the prophetic word. And that is that the Holy Spirit is constantly seeking to communicate with us, with you and I, that we would receive a word from the Lord that would help guide us and help direct us in the life that He wants us to lead, in the life that He wants to share with us. And so the main point of my message today is this. God's word to Mary is an example to us of how to receive a word from God. It gives us good context about what it means to receive a word and how we can respond to it. And so I want you to put yourself, uh, not exactly in Mary's story, but I want you to think about what it means for you to receive a word from God for yourself. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Well, when we are seeking straight paths from God, we are asking Him for a revelation. We're asking Him for, for direction, for input into how we live. And therefore, we are asking God to communicate with us. And that is an important part of our relationship with God. And so, I want to encourage you today to be open to the prophetic word. So, what is it like to receive a word from God? What is it like to receive a word from God? Because when we are praying, we are opening ourselves to the communication of the Spirit of God to share a word with us. That the Spirit of God would be able to speak into our mind, into our heart, and He's willing to direct in our paths to answer our prayers. But truthfully, I must tell you that God is way more interested in communicating with you personally than answering and meeting all of the difficult needs that are maybe on your prayer list. Because I, you know what it's like. We can have a moment with God and say, God, I'm concerned about you know, my grandparents, I'm concerned about my friends that live across the country. I have sick people in my life that, you know, it's just been a real struggle. And we can make our big list and tell God about all that we're concerned about, but forget that we need to pause and let God speak to us. Mary's word came through an angel. 
So she wasn't actually looking for God to reveal something so life-changing to her. It just came to her. The angel appeared and gave her this word. There are other times when we are looking for God's word. We're saying, God, I don't know where to go in my life. This is a difficult time and I want direction. I want you to help me. You know, Gideon was a character in the Old Testament that was uh, a leader of an army. And God paired that army down to 300 men against thousands. And at, at one point, Gideon's going, this doesn't look good. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the odds are against me here. Uh, I might not even survive this if it all goes bad. And so he comes to God and says, God, I, I need a sign. I need you to speak to me about the rightness of this because, you know, you've done this. Now I've got 300 guys, 300 very dedicated people. We're thankful for them, but there's a lot of the enemy. And Gideon asked for a sign, and God gave him a sign. God communicated to him, and ultimately he won the battle without actually lifting a finger himself. He didn't actually strike a blow. The enemy ended up killing each other. And you're going, only God. Abraham, the father of Israel, he had a dream about God's blessing. Many different kind of communications from God, but he had this dream that talked about what he was going to do and what he was going to become. Daniel, the, the prophet that was thrown into the lion's den, he prayed three times a day. And in the midst of his prayer times, God made revelation about the future, the far into the future beyond his own lifetime. And he wrote it down in the book of Daniel. You can read the things that God revealed to him. Peter was on a rooftop terrace and had a vision that let him know that it was God's will to be able to associate with people that were Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Because of this vision, it led him in a different path, in a different association with people. And he began to speak with Gentile people to ask them to come and believe in Jesus. Paul had a visitation where Jesus spoke to him audibly. He heard the voice of Jesus. John had multiple visions when he received the book of Revelation. And I know that book can be a hard thing to understand as you read through the Bible. You need to understand it came by the Holy Spirit as it was revealed to him. Sometimes an angel, sometimes by Jesus himself. In all of this, I'm saying that the word of God, the prophetic word, can come in lots of different ways. And I want you to be open to any of them. Whether you're simply praying and the Holy Spirit puts an impression on your heart, or whether you do have a visitation by an angel. You say, well, that's never going to happen. Why not? Why would we ever put limits on the way that God can communicate? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, it says, These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. 
This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. You know, so we need to rely on the Spirit of God to give us direction and understanding. Because if a prophetic word comes to us, it will only be by the Holy Spirit. It could come in lots of different ways, but it will be at the direction of the Holy Spirit. So how should we respond when we receive a prophetic word? When there is a word that has been spoken over our life in some way, what should we do? And really, Mary's example tells us, shows us, that humility and trust are the way that we should receive a word from God. And that is, she was able to come to that place where the angel delivered the message and she didn't understand all of it. Just because she didn't understand everything doesn't mean that she dismissed it all. She said, I don't, I don't get this. I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a baby? The angel was not offended. He explained things to her because she asked with a heart of humility, saying, this is something I don't understand. Well, God has not changed in this, that when we come to him with sincere questions, saying, God, I am wondering about this. How does this work? How is this word, how is this working in my life supposed to come out? And she was trusting. Mary trusted the angel. She trusted the word that was coming from the Lord, that what he said was going to be good, that what he said was going to be true. And she said, I'm, I'm God's servant. Let it happen. And I want to encourage you today that as you receive a word, a prophetic word from the Spirit of God, that you would be humble and trusting to God. That you would be open to what He has to say to you. It's so important that whether it's a vision or a dream or a scripture or somebody else has given you a word that is by the Holy Spirit, that you should, yes, indeed, test it, but ask for clarity, but also trust what God is saying to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul instructs the church, do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. And that is really important. We may not understand all of the things that are being spoken to us in that moment as God delivers a word over our life. Just like Mary, she received that word favor it didn't exactly look like it, but it did come out that way. We need to ask good questions and trust God in the midst of the process. Have an attitude of trusting God so that you live in expectation of the good that God wants to bring about. So what is the word that God is speaking to you? This is a very good question to ask. Because if you never ask this question, most of the time people miss the prophetic word. What is God speaking to us in this moment, at this time? You may have had a prophetic word spoken over you in the past. I want you to remember it. I mean, there were times when people spoke to me 
about God's action and interaction in my life from a long time ago. But they were such relevant words that it matters to this day when I remember them. And I believe that for many of you, there may be something like a life verse, a piece of scripture that has been given to you at some point, maybe by a friend, uh, maybe by a, a minister, or maybe just while praying or reading through the Bible, God impressed on you that this is important for your life. That is a word that you need to treasure, that you need to hold on to. And I am reminding you today to recall to your memory what is it that God has spoken over you in that way. You see, Abraham's word was that he would be the father of nations. Not just a nation, but literally nations would come out of his family. And that has indeed happened in this world. But God first spoke it as a word, a prophetic word, that he would be the father. Gideon's word that he received was that he was a mighty warrior, even when he was hiding from the enemy at the time. And when the word was delivered to Gideon, he went, I don't think so. I don't think that that's me. But it's something that was lived out in his life as he progressed to lead that army of 300. To be able to work on God's behalf, he became that mighty warrior. David's word was that he was a man after God's own heart. And you can see that as he expresses the Psalms on how much he cried out for God. He had been called, he had been ministered to Peter's word from Jesus was that he was the rock. And it was important for Peter to remember that he was meant to be that foundation stone, to be that pillar in the church, even when he made mistakes. So I'm asking you again, what have you received in the past that you need to be reminded of? I can't do this for you. I can only ask the question, hoping that you will ask the question of the Spirit of God, just to bring back to your memory the things that are important. So Holy Spirit, would you bring that back? That significant scripture verse. That memory of the time that someone spoke that word. Maybe there was a dream or a vision. And you know, some, some dreams and some visions, they simply are meant to guide you in the moment. And that, that's great. But there are other dreams or vision which are much more substantial and that carry on well throughout periods of your life. And I want you to remember them. But there is also a time in your life to ask for a new word. And maybe you can't say that you can remember a significant word or maybe there has never been something like that as experience what I'm talking about today. I am encouraging you to ask for a word. To come to God and say, God, you are a prophecy-giving God. One that speaks life over us. What would the word for me be in this season of my life? And I want you to pay particular attention to Scripture. 
Because often when God gives a word that's important to us, it comes through the Word of God, the written Word of God. That there's something that was written in the Bible that becomes very relevant to our life. I have mentioned this before, but let me mention it again. When my grandchildren were born, I asked God for a word for each of them. They were simple words like a song, like joy, like success. And there's scripture verses that go with them. I pray that over my grandkids. Someday I'll probably tell them about it. Right now they're really little. So they wouldn't really understand. But the truth is, for the moment, I continue to pray those things over those kids. And I believe that that can happen for you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So do not neglect Scripture while you are seeking a word from the Lord that you would not just read it to learn from it, but actually apply it to your life. God, is there a word that is for me right now that is applicable to the season in life that I am in? Would you speak to me? Would you speak to me? I know that God's answer to that question is yes. As I come to the end of this message, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back to the platform. Communicating with God takes time. And there's no replacement for it. There's no other way that you can, that you can come and learn from Him. You need to listen. And listening to God requires that you spend some time in His presence. Truthfully, when we have begun these Sunday night worship times. Yes, we want to express ourselves before God, but truthfully, it's also that moment when we can listen to Him. We can dwell in His presence and ask God for some help. You need to spend time asking God, but you also need to spend time listening to God and trusting that He has a word for you today. Would you stand with me? I want to pray over you today. And we're going to sing a song before we're dismissed. If any of you have any uh, very specific personal prayer requests, I'll stay behind. We'll be able to pray together after everyone is dismissed. But while this song is being sung and while we just have this moment at the end of the service, can we ask God to speak to us? Because worship music is not just speaking to God. It's a conversation. So, Father God, we come before you today and we invite your Holy Spirit to speak the prophetic word into our hearts that by the Spirit of God, 
by an angel, a vision, dream, whatever it would take, God, that you would communicate with us and let us know the prophetic word over us, what you would say to us. And so, God, I ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.